Hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. What we're doing is we're continuing our new series, which is entitled, Be Christian. And today's message is actually going to be entitled, Heavenly Minded, Earthly Good. And as last week, what we did is we opened up the letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul's letter to a group of new believers in the city of Ephesus during the time of the Roman Empire. Today, we're going to go into another one of his letters, which is the book or the letter to the Colossians. And there we're going to find some of the similar themes of being Christian that we need to remember as the people of God during our times that can be both straining uh, heated and also tumultuous. And so what we're going to see is that the reiteration of what it means to be a follower of Jesus to a separate congregation means that these uh, themes that we're going to cover today are really foundational truths that to God are ultimately non-negotiables. And so to that point, we're going to focus on this statement today, that we must learn to be heavenly minded to accomplish God's earthly good. We're going to break the message down into two parts. We're going to first talk about being heavenly minded. And then secondly, we're going to talk about earthly good. So before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today that reminds us that Jesus Christ is our perfect example of life, liberty, freedom, and also godliness in the earth. Lord, we thank you that you sent your son to perfectly exemplify righteousness for us and then to provide a righteousness for us that we couldn't provide by going to the cross, dying for us sacrificially for our sins, and then also being raised from the dead so we could have eternal life in him. God, help us to live worthy of that calling today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's start by talking about heaven being heavenly minded. We must be heavenly minded to enact God's earthly good in the world. That's what we're going to start with. It, and the reason we're starting with that is because there is a whole lot of good that people are trying to do in the world around us, but it's not always God's earthly good that's being accomplished. And the reason why is because we haven't yet embraced the fact that to actually accomplish God's ultimate good, his better good, his eternal ends, we've got to be heavenly minded to accomplish that. And Paul's exhorting us to this in Colossians chapter three, starting in verse one. If you have a Bible, let's read this together. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so when we're talking about the idea of being Christian, this is a foundational scripture to understand what it in fact means to be a follower of Christ. It means that, number one, there is an if-then clause here. 
that if then you have been raised with Christ, meaning that if you've actually been transformed by the word of God, born again by the gospel message of Christ, where Jesus came to live perfectly the life that you and I should have lived, to perform miracles showing that he was God, and on the cross die sacrificially so that we could have not only the forgiveness of our sins, but new life in him through the power of his resurrection. He said, if you've received this and been transformed by that gospel and the Holy Spirit who's come to make a home inside of you, then you need to be a person who is living in a life that's reflective of that. And he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, which also implies that some of you, even who've called yourself for Christian for years, might not yet have been transformed by Christ. You might be culturally Christian, but you still need to be born again. You still need to repent of your sins and come into a living dynamic relationship with the living God so that you can, in fact, be heavenly minded, transformed by Christ, and then actually have the positional, the positional freedom of being raised with Christ. And he says, if then you've been raised with Christ, then what are you to do? You're to seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And we're to set our minds, regardless of what's going on around us or what uh, types of uh, tensions there are or what types of troubles, really we are trying to juggle and balance on a daily basis. He said, your freedom comes, your liberty comes, your joy comes, your peace that transcends all understanding comes when we're setting our minds on things that are above, where Christ Jesus, resurrected from the dead, is seated at the right hand of the Father. And we're not to have our minds set on earthly things. What that doesn't mean is that we're not to be responsible in our daily affairs, or we're not to practice or plan discipline discipline when we're going about our daily affairs of life, or we're not to engage the world around us because we're seated continually in heavenly places and constantly have our minds on things above to the exclusion of the daily affairs of life. That's not what God's saying here, but he's saying that your peace, your confidence, your rest, your biblical worldview Everything about your convictions and the life that you're leading needs to come out of heaven and not earth. It needs to be what Jesus really instructed his disciples to do when he taught them to pray. He said, when you pray, pray, our Father who art in heaven. You see, the very idea of worship and the very idea of love for God and a relationship with God is that we're continually being lifted to a higher place, to a place where God is seated in eternity, ruling and reigning sovereignly over the nations. And we're being lifted to a place where we say, God, you who are in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we're asking you to lift us to the perspective of where you are and then live out of that perspective on a daily basis here on earth. And he says, keep your mind in heaven above and the things that are going on in heaven and what God wants to bring to the earth from heaven. He says, focus on those things. Be heavenly minded so that in fact, 
you might have an ability to do earthly good. Why? Because you've died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. What that means is that we have a position in Christ that we should be living out of. Paul, when he was talking to the Galatian church, he actually said this. It's Galatians 2.20, which where Paul writes, it's no longer I who live because now my life is hidden with Christ and God. But it's Christ who lives through me. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so now when you look at me and when you look at the life that I'm living, I want you to see not me and not my rights and not my personality and all the things that I care about, but I want you to see Christ when you look at me. Because when I'm a Christian and I've been born again, that means that Christ has taken a hold of me and Christ Jesus himself is trying to live by by the power of the Holy Spirit through me. And if we're in Christ, we need to have that type of heavenly mentality that I'm connected constantly to heaven above where my heavenly father is ruling and reigning and I'm looking to bring his kingdom, his will to the earth as it is in heaven. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also, the Bible says, will appear with him in glory. That's part of the gospel, right? That Jesus had a first coming, his first advent, but he's ultimately going to make another return where he is going to bring all things in his creation under his rulership and under his proper order. Now, when we look at the world around us, we a lot of times can think to ourselves, well, the the kingdom that Jesus is bringing, that one that he's bringing with through us as we're heavenly minded is a beautiful one because as opposed to the, uh, I, I guess, uh, institutions or as opposed to the empires or as opposed to really the uh, the governments that have been instituted amongst men in our human history, Christ's kingdom and his heavenly rule by, by the, the ones which with, that um, with which we're attached whenever we're serving him is a beautiful one as opposed to the rule of men because, because of how it's governed. And Napoleon Bonaparte actually made mention of this years ago, actually citing how God's heavenly rule, his heavenly kingdom, and thus our heavenly perspective that we're bringing to the earth in our daily living is a better one when he said this. Napoleon Bonaparte said, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires. But on what did we rest the creations of our genius? He said, upon force. Jesus Christ, however, founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. And it's because of the heavenly perspective that they have. That God is loving, that he has a better kingdom that he's bringing. And he's creating a people who live according to his heavenly ways. And because they're heavenly minded, they can do an earthly good in the earth. As a matter of fact, I'd like to, even in the midst of our present circumstances and some of the things that have been going on in our community with this social unrest, I'd like to read to you an excerpt from a great book called The Reason for God by Dr. Timothy Keller. And it's actually talking about really the uh, misunderstanding, how really even the issue of justice in our present communities are getting a little bit convoluted. But what God's heavenly intention is for it 
by saying this. He said this in his book, that another classic case of this, meaning God's uh, response to the idea of justice, it's not a worldly idea, but it's actually a heavenly idea. And the idea of justice comes from heaven, as we see in Scripture. And this is what he's saying about it. Another classic case of this is the civil rights movement in the United States in the mid-20th century. And in an important history of the movement, David L. Chappelle demonstrates that it was not a political, but primarily a religious and spiritual movement. Why? Because people were heavenly minded. It says white Northern liberals who were the allies of the African-American civil rights leaders were not proponents of civil disobedience or of a direct attack on segregation. Because of their secular belief in the goodness of human nature, they thought that education and enlightenment would bring about inevitable social and racial progress. Chappelle argues that black leaders were much more rooted in the biblical, or in our case, we're going to say heavenly, understanding of the sinfulness of the human heart and in the denunciations of injustice that they read in the Hebrew prophets. Chappelle also shows how it was the vibrant faith of rank-and-file African Americans that empowered them to insist on justice despite the violent opposition to their demands. Thus, Chappelle says, there is no way to understand what happened until you see the civil rights movement as a religious revival. I'll let that sink in for a moment. He goes on. When Martin Luther King Jr. confronted racism in the white church in the South, he did not call on Southern churches to become more secular. Read his sermons and letter from Birmingham jail and see how he argued. He invoked God's moral law and the scripture. He called white Christians to be more true to their own beliefs and to realize what the Bible really teaches. He did not say truth is relative and everyone is free to determine what is right or wrong for them. If everything is relative, there would have been no incentive for white people in the South to give up their power. Rather, Dr. King invoked the prophet Amos, who said, Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. The greatest champion of justice in our era knew the antidote to racism was not less Christianity, but a deeper and truer Christianity. And this is the very essence of actually being heavenly minded, being seated with Christ in the heavenly realms so that we can be an earthly good. And when we embrace this reality, we, we understand that we must obey God's commands. God's commands to be an earthly good that reflects Christ in the earth. This is how we fulfill the charge to be Christian during our times. And then as we continue to read the book of, of the letter to the Colossians in chapter 3, verse 5, Paul went on to say this, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And of course, when he's talking about passion, he's not talking about having a zeal for what's right. He's talking about 
ungodly or un, uh, illicit passions that go into breaking God's commands. He says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. You, you hear the, uh, the same words being spoken by Paul to the church in Ephesus in the letter to the Ephesians. He says here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, which was the sign of their covenant with God, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ, Christ, our focus and the object of our worship is all in, in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, which is a controlled strength, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful." Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything, and yes, he means everything, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so what we see from this scripture as we continue to read is that God, again, is very practical laying out what it means to be Christian, what it looks like not only to be heavenly minded, but take that heavenly mindset and then appropriate it properly to do earthly good. He says, this is how you should live. This is how you should interact with those around you. You should avoid sexual morality and purity. You should avoid evil desires, covetousness, and idolatry. You should look to turn away from anger, wrath, malice, slander, all the things we talked about last week. But there is a practical side to earthly good that also goes beyond the individual. It's the individual and then how they relate to the world around them. And I think it's starting to be illuminated when he talks about having compassionate hearts. And compassionate hearts reject shelters of indifference. Compassionate hearts reject shelters of indifference because not only are you uh, basically satisfied with your own walk with God and your own spirituality, but that walk with God necessarily gives you compassion and a compassionate heart to the world around you so that you can engage it to do earthly good. And the danger is, is that if we want, especially in the West, we can, with the opulence that surrounds us, we can, by choice, remain untouched, disinterested, and unaffected by the plight of the world around us. 
If you do not want to see the issues or you don't want to see the shortcomings or the problems that exist and that people are bearing up under in the world around you, it is easy just to unfollow people on your social media feed. It is easy to turn off the TV whenever the news is communicating what's going on in our world. It's easy to walk by people on the street in a city like ours and forget about the real issues that are going on. You can isolate yourself in a particular world untouched by the issues that and the sin really that's really taking the life out of the people in the world around us. But God by commanding us to be heavenly minded, we remember that Christ came into the world. His condescension, Christ became incarnate. God put on flesh to literally humble himself and walk amongst us to take the mentality of heaven and do earthly good in the world around us. And the danger that we need to avoid, rather the challenge with the Western millennial church is understanding that the fact that we are unaffected possibly unaffected by situations persistent in our world. Issues like poverty because there's so much wealth in our city around us or discrimination or things of that nature. If because we are unaffected by it directly, it does not mean that God is unconcerned about such issues. Just because an issue doesn't directly affect me doesn't mean that God is uninterested, disinterested with such issues or the sin that actually propagates such issues. It simply means that it is out of my purview and I need to be educated about it to help um, to develop the biblical heart of Christ towards it. And this is, is what it means to expand my tent pegs, to expand my tent pegs and become broader in my scope. I think during times like this, as we head towards even election day, we need to become broader in our scope about the things that are on God's mind in heaven that he wants to address here on earth. And the problem we're having today in the public forum is that people are not defining their terms when they're trying to have important conversations about even the things that are going on on earth that God wants to address with a heavenly mentality. And thus people are talking about apples and oranges while ignoring the things about which God actually cares. For example, let me give you just some practical examples that have been highlighted over the past several months. When people talk about apples and oranges, they define things differently and then miss each other and obviously miss God's perspective whenever they're trying to address things in a heavenly manner. And examples of these are such as these, that justice does not equal socialism or a propagation of white guilt. Anti-racism does not mean anti-police or anti-patriotic. However, things like this need to be defined. Righteousness does mean holiness in God's sight. And this is that to which the Bible calls people when they're heavenly minded. Holiness, being set apart to God so that we can actually bring heaven to earth as were the hands and feet of Jesus. 
And being Christian also means that you are determined to be an earthly good by doing all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Colossians exhorted us, right? To do all things, whether in word or in deed, as we're compassionate, kind, tenderhearted, all of these things, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is this means that you are to make it your highest aim to do things the way that Jesus would. Whenever you're interacting with people, whenever you're making decisions based on your convictions, they should be biblical convictions. Why? Because biblical convictions are the way that Jesus thinks. Biblical convictions are the way that Jesus decides to interact with the world around us. Biblical convictions are the ways that Jesus wants to express himself in the earth. But to get to a place where we're living out of biblical convictions, we have to be heavenly minded so that we can do earthly good. And I like what uh, C.S. Lewis, the writer, philosopher, and professor actually said many years ago in his book, Mere Christianity. I commend it to all of you if you've not had the opportunity to read it yet. He said that a lot of times people think that people can be so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. And we do not want to be like that if we're going to be Christian. But instead, we want to be both heavenly minded so that we can be earthly good. And this is what he said in Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis. He said, hope is one of the theological virtues. This means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think about the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. He wrote this in 1952. And how applicable is this to us today as we reflect on the commands of God in Colossians, exhorting us how to practically be Christian. And what we need to really end with is understanding that all of this is grounded and founded in the word of Christ, which he says needs to dwell in you richly. The word of God, this Bible needs to dwell in you richly so that you can be Christian and it governs every interaction that you have, every thought, every response, every relationship, every choice that you make. It needs to be grounded in the word of Christ. You need to have chapter and verse for why you're doing what you're doing. And it needs to actually be contextualized in a good biblical hermeneutic, which means that it's actually in its right application 
properly applied to the life that we're living today. And if you don't study your Bible, you will not know the word of Christ. It's plain and simple like that. To be Christian, you need to study your Bible. You need to study your Bible. You will not know the right word of Christ otherwise. And thus you will develop, I need to tell you this, a fabricated spirituality. And that's what we see around us today. A lot of people are being turned off to a caricature of Christianity because they're pointing at people who may be culturally Christian, but what they're pointing to and rejecting is a caricature of Christianity. They're not actually rejecting Jesus Christ because these people aren't living according to the word of God. And the word of God shows us how to allow God's heavenly wisdom to be employed in the world around us. And as, as Philip Yancey actually said in his book, The Jesus I Never Knew, if Jesus had never lived, we would not have been able to invent him. And why is this? It's because we would shape Jesus or any messianic figure according to our momentary preferences, our temporal agendas, and what ultimately comes most easily to us. The Bible, however, talks of Jesus going to the cross for our sins and calling his followers to do the same by daily denying themselves that they might, in fact, focus their thoughts on heaven and do be an earthly good. It is then that we live in God's resurrection power and can speak life to a world that is consumed by sin and death. This is the gospel, which we're going to talk more about in our message next week, but it's the gospel that comes to each and every one of us today. And really what we need to do is take an evaluation of our own lives, regardless of how dedicated we've been to the culture of Christianity. Have we been in fact living as Christians? Have we been Christians? according to the directives that we see there in Colossians, to live according to a heavenly mindset so that through our interaction with the world around us, we might do in the name of Jesus and through the gospel of Christ an earthly good. And if you haven't today, you've been just living and been swept up in the way that the rest of the world is living. Now is your time as a believer to repent, to come back into proper alignment with God, Focus your thoughts on heaven and th focus your study on this word, this word of God, which defines God's thoughts for us that we might do God's earthly good in the earth. And so I want to start by praying for Christians who might have found themselves really having that fabricated Christianity because they've been de devoting themselves to ideas of justice or ideas of what it means to do right in the world, but it's been based on a secular mindset devoid of the thoughts of God. And if that's you, I want to pray for you today that you might come back into alignment with God and his word. Father, I thank you that you give us your word to be a sanctifying agent. Jesus, when you were praying for your church, you said, sanctify your people, your church by the truth and your word is truth. God, I'm praying that you would give us a hunger and a thirsting for righteousness today that regardless of what's going on now or a month from now or in the world around us ever, that God, we would define our convictions and also our love for you by the commands that you give us in your word. 
God, we pray that we would once again return to a place where we do everything, whether in word or in deed, social posts or public posts or any type of interaction with we that we have with our neighbors, friends, family, or coworkers. We do it all in the name of Jesus. Meaning not just that we take your name, but that God, you give us the ability to represent you accurately because we've submitted ourselves to your word. God, I pray that you would break off every deception, every lie, Father, every even, uh, even shackle of pride that's really kept your people bound today and help them come into the freedom of the love that you have for them and for through them that you want to express to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. And now I want to also pray for anyone who says, you know what? I see very clearly in this word that God says, if I don't live according to his commands, that the wrath of God is coming. And I know that because I've not been living according to God and his ways, I've never really submitted myself to Jesus, that if I were to die and face God in judgment today, I would be an object of his wrath and his wrath would come upon me. But I don't want that. I look forward to, I receive today the good news of Jesus, and I want it to be made right with him today. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me as you turn away from your sin and choose to obey the gospel of God? Almighty God, I, I admit to you today that I'm a sinner, and I know that I've rejected both you and your ways, and I've chosen to live in the sin and death that's reflected in the world around me. And I know that I've not been heavenly minded, nor have I really, for all of my efforts, done your earthly good. But I turn away from my rebellion today, and I ask you to forgive me. I believe that Jesus lived the perfect life that I should have lived, and on the cross died the sacrificial death that I should have died to give me peace with you. God, would you forgive me today? God, would you make me a new creation today? And would you transform me, not only by the Holy Spirit, but by the renewing of my mind, that I, from this point forward, I might live in love for you, being heavenly minded, so that I might do your earthly good. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the good news is, is if you prayed that prayer for the first time, God said he's made you a new creation. And would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life? There you can find not only resources, but also next steps of how to walk this heavenly mindset out with a community of believers who are also determined to do his will. We encourage you to continue to walk this out in your community groups throughout this week. And if you've not found one yet, please do join us on our website to find different virtual and in-person options. We want you to know that we love you so much and we're going to be praying for you throughout this week. But please do bring a friend with you next week who also needs to hear this good news about Jesus Christ. God bless you. We love you and have a wonderful week in the Lord.